Well, if you want to, you can turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 10 this morning, and we are very aware of verses um, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. But we're going to see it in the passage that it is, that it's sandwiched into this morning as we see, I put, I named this death to life by faith for a purpose. And we're going to see that that is the theme as we go through our passage this morning. We're going to start by thinking about some questions that we're going to answer as we go through this passage this morning. First, we're going to see what were we like? We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And sometimes whenever we look at people in the world who are unbelievers, who are fallen, we look at them and we think, man, how can you live that kind of life? Well, the reason is, is because they don't have what we have. They don't have that spiritual life. They don't have um, the Holy Spirit indwelling in, the, in them to give them the power to live the Christian life. Then we're going to see what made the difference, and we're going to see that it's God's grace, God's love, and God's mercy. Then what are some of the differences? We're going to see the differences. So we go from death to life. We go from being children of wrath to being children of God. And then what works did you or I do in order to obtain this eternal life, to obtain this relationship with God forever. And then we're going to talk about what are we to do as those who have, who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, those who are placed in the body of Christ, in the church, what are we as the church to be doing? What are we as individuals as well to be doing because they are interrelated? But before we begin answering our questions through this passage, let's get a little bit of information about this book. Paul is writing this letter, and he's writing it to the church at Ephesus around 60 AD while he's in prison in Rome on his first imprisonment. And um, he, this letter, it's going to the church at Ephesus, but many believe it was a circular letter that was sent around to many of the different churches. And since that is true, we also can make applications from this as well. So let's begin by thinking about what were we like, and we see in verses 1 through 3 that we were dead, walking according to the world, the devil, and the flesh. Look with me at verse 1. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And we know what the word dead means. It means separation. We're separated from someone. If a loved one dies and they, they leave this earth, then they are separated from us and we have a hole in our lives. We're missing them because they are dead and they, and they are separated from us. If they believed in Jesus Christ and we've believed in Jesus Christ, one day that separation will be taken care of and we'll be reunited with them. But for that point in time, we are separated. You know, all of us, all people come into the world dead in our trespasses and sins. We have Adam's sin placed upon us. And so we come into the world spiritually dead. But we also commit sins. And that's what he's talking about here. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And that word trespasses has the idea of stepping across the line. You know, we say, hey, Brian, while you're up there teaching today, you can't come off the stage. And I'm like, oh, you didn't tell me I can't do that. I'm going to do it. And that's what oftentimes we do. We step across the line. We do what we're not supposed to do. And we do it on 
purpose. But then it also says your trespasses and sins. And sins means that you miss the mark. Now, I'm a golfer. I love to play golf. My daughter loves to play golf. And, uh, you know, there's a mark. There's something that you're aiming for, and that is the hole. And oftentimes, whenever I hit the ball, it doesn't go in the right directions. I end up in the trees or someplace else that I don't want to be. But the same is true for us and true for people in this world that they, they live in their trespasses and sins. And so that, that is a problem, and that's what we were like. And so we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But in, a, in any sense of the word, sin is anything that goes against the character of God, and sin always causes separation. There's even temporal sin for us as believers in Christ. You know, sometimes we have temporal sin because we sin, and then that gets us out of fellowship with God. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us and bring us right back into fellowship with him. Going on in verse 2, he says, In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, and of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So we were living according to the world. We were living like unbelievers. We were wanting what's best for me. And in the world that we live in today, what does it tell us? It's all about you. Whatever you want, you live, you get whatever you want. Go for the gusto, live for today because you don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. And so let's take it all in. Let's live for me. And so we were living according to the world. Then it goes on and says, according to the devil, he's the ruler of this fallen system. You know, the devil controls the world system and the world system affects our flesh. And then we end up living our lives or sinning as we go through our lives, but we're not supposed to live in that way as believers in Christ. But for those who are unbelievers, they don't have what we have. And so that's the way they are living. They're walking according to the world, the devil, and then the flesh. That flesh is the sin nature. The natural thing to do is to do wrong. You don't have to teach a child how to do right you, or how to do wrong. They naturally do wrong. You don't have to teach them um, to, to be mean, to hit, to lie, to cheat, to steal, but you have to teach them to do the right things. And so According to the flesh, that sin nature, that pull to do wrong. And because we are living according to the world and the flesh and the devil, and we had no spiritual life, no, no Holy Spirit inside of us, we were children of wrath. This is all we had. We had no power within us to move us away from these things. This life that we, we thought was life was actually death. And this is what we were like. And if nothing would have ever happened we would have been separated from God forever. The Bible calls it the second death. And we've been talking about it a little bit in the book of Revelation. And so, you know, the truth is that this is a reality, that there is a second death, a place where we're separated from God for all eternity for anyone who has not believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And since that is a reality, it ought to get us flowing and and 
determined to go do what it is that God's called us to do, which is make disciples, which starts with evangelism, giving them people, the unbelievers, the gospel message, the good news message of Jesus Christ and how by faith alone and Christ alone, they can have eternal life. And we'll talk more about that whenever we get to verses eight and nine here in just a minute. But this is what we were headed for. We were headed to be separated from God for all eternity if something had not changed in our lives. So what made the difference? What made the difference? And the difference was made because of God's mercy, God's love, and God's grace. The verse four begins with the word but, and but is a small word, but it has huge meaning. It shows contrast. So what were we like? We were dead. We were children of wrath, walking according to the world, the flesh, and the devil. But in verse four, it says, but God being rich in his mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. But God, this should make us want to say thank you to him. He made a way for us to have eternal life and eternal relationship with him forever. But God, notice it doesn't say, but I did this, but God, it's God who made the difference. Being rich in his mercy, you know, he didn't give us what we deserved. What did we deserve? We deserved death and separation, but God in his mercy didn't give us what we deserved. Because of his great love with which he loved us, how much did he love us? John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world. That was his motivation. God loved each and every one of us, each and every one of our friends, our family, our neighbors who were separated from him. He loved them so much that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, to leave the, the glories of heaven, to come to this earth, to walk on this earth, to be beaten, to be bruised, to be spit on, to be hung on a cross to die for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the entire world. And then three days later, what did he do? He arose from the grave, conquering death so that whoever, whoever, anyone would simply believe in him, they would not perish, but have eternal life. You see, it is that simple. It is by grace that we're getting ready to see by grace that we're saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's not our goodness, our works or our righteousness that saves us, but it's all in what Jesus Christ did through his death and resurrection on the cross. It's because of God's love that he loved us so much that he gave his son to do that for us. And so if you are here to day and you've never believed in Jesus Christ for what he's offering you, eternal life, right where you're sitting, you can believe in him and he offers you the gift of everlasting life. So it's because of his love that he loved us. First John 4.10 says, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the satisfactory payment for our sins. You see, God is satisfied with the payment that Jesus Christ made. This is how much he loved us. He sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Our sins are paid for because of Christ. Look back to Ephesians chapter one, verse seven. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of of his grace. You see, it's all the grace of God. Going back to Ephesians 2, 5, it says, by grace you were saved. 
It's all of the grace of God. And so we should be thankful to God that he gave us what we did not deserve, an eternal life, an eternal relationship, a union with him that lasts forever. So what are some of the differences? What are some of the differences? Well, we are going to see that we went from being dead to being alive. We were children of wrath. We're going to see that we're going to be children of God, that we were separated from God to being seated at God's right hand. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. It says, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show us his surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He didn't send Christ to die because we were good and deserving of it. It says, even while we were dead, Romans 5 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, when we were sinners, when we were, were dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ died for us. So we didn't deserve it. We weren't good, and so God sent his son. We were dead. We were separated. We were living in our sins. But what did he do? When we were dead, he made us alive. How did this happen? Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Someone loved us enough. Someone got us to the place that we could hear the good news message of salvation. It's that's how we believe. We've got to hear the good news message. And for all of us, if people need to hear the message, then we need to be speaking the message. We need to be speaking the truth of the gospel to to the people that are in this world because there are many people who think that they have something to do with salvation. They think it's their goodness. They're going to church. They're tithing or whatever it is that is going to get them to God. But none of those things get us to God. The only way we can get to God is through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. So we need to get out there. We need to let people know the good news of the message. And we'll talk more about that when we get to verse 10. Verse 6 says, and we were raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places. So where is Christ now? Look back to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20. It says, when he, God the Father, raised him, Christ the Son, from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Hebrews 10, 11, and 12 says, every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sin, but he, having offered one sacrifice for sin for all times, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus Christ, God was satisfied with the sacrifice that Jesus made. And he said, whenever he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. The payment of sin had been made and God was satisfied with the payment that Jesus Christ had made. And so he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The priests in the Old Testament, their sins didn't pay for, their, their sacrifices never paid for sin, they only covered sin. But Jesus Christ was the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. So Christ is seated at the right hand of God, 
What does verse six tell us about us? We are seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So positionally right now, we're at the right hand of the throne of God. Experientially, we're here on this earth, but also we are in Christ. Being in Christ, that means that we've been placed in the body of Christ given different spiritual gifts, talents, and abilities to use in the body so that the body can grow, so that the body can be built up, so that we can go out and do what it is that God has called us to do, so this body can function properly, and so that we can maintain the things that we want to do as a church body. So we're here for a purpose, and we'll talk more about that in verse 10. So we were dead and raised, seated at the right hand of God in Christ, just as Jesus was dead and was raised and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In verse 7, we see the results of this, and I like how the author of the Grace New Commentary wrote this. I can't think of that guy's name right now, but uh, he wrote it and he says, the church will forever be a trophy of God's marvelous grace. The guy that wrote that is JB, our pastor, and that's what we are to be as a church body. We are to be a trophy of God's marvelous grace. We are to be showing the world what it looks like to be a graceful church, to be graceful people who are dealing with people in grace, not not legalistic, not coming down on them, but showing them grace. And so we're to be on a trophy case. We're to be, be seen as a picture of grace. When we get to verse 10, we're going to see that we are called his workmanship. And that means his masterpiece. And he's talking about the church corporately, our Christ's masterpiece or God's masterpiece. So we've seen in verse four, in verses four through seven, two key questions. What made the difference? It was God's mercy, love, and grace. Mercy is not getting what we deserved. We deserve death. We got God's love. He loved us enough to send his son to die on the cross, to pay for our sins, to rise again on the third day, to prove that death had been conquered, to prove that the payment of sin had been made. And he offers as a gift eternal life to anyone who will believe it. It's God's grace. God gave us what we don't deserve. He made us alive together with Christ Jesus. So what were some of those differences? We were dead, but now we're alive. We were children of wrath. Now we are children of God. We were separated from God. We went from being separated from God to being seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So what did we do? What did I do? What did you do? And it's important here as you go through the book of Ephesians, the pronouns are very important. And in this passage, we see right here that he says that you have been saved by grace through faith. And then when we get to chapter or to verse 10, we're going to see that we corporately as a body of Christ have a purpose and a work that needs to be done. But look with me at verses eight and nine, and we'll answer this question. What did I, what did you do 
to be saved. It says in verse eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So what is grace? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. We deserve death and separation, but he gave us eternal life, a union with him and a relationship with him that lasts forever. How did we get it? By faith, by taking God at his word. What does God's word say? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. What did Jesus offer? That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So we take God at his word. We see that what he says is truth. We see that what he's offering us is eternal life as a gift. And we believe that and we get as a gift eternal life. It's not of yourselves. It's nothing that we have done, are doing, or will do that's going to save us or keep us saved. It's the gift of God. And a gift is something that is given freely. That's what a gift is. You don't say, hey, you come to work tomorrow and I got a gift for you at the end of the day. That's not a gift. You got to work for, for that money. And so it's a work that's something that is to be earned. But a gift is something that's given freely. And that's what God is offering to us is the gift of eternal life. So think about this. What did God do? How should we feel about this? How do you feel knowing that God offers you a gift that's so costly that no one else could have ever purchased it for you other than Jesus Christ? He was willing to step out of the glories of heaven for you, for me, so that we could have life, eternal life, simply by faith in him. Not as a result of our works. We can't work for it. Working for your salvation is the lie of the devil. You know, devil says, do good and God will love you. But the truth is we can't do good and God already loves us. So it's important for us because that's the lie of the devil. That's what the world believes. That's why it's important for us to give the message that we see here that it's not of works. It's not our goodness. It's not our righteousness. It's nothing that we can boast in, but it is by grace that we're saved through faith. So it's not based on our boast, so that no one may boast. If it was based on anything that you or I did, then we could boast about it. What if it was, you got to come and walk down an aisle in order to be saved? Then you could say, you know what? Man, there's a lot of people in this room and I was willing to get up out of my chair and come down to the front. If it has to do with, you know, coming down and, and confessing, you know, you could say, man, that's what I did. And so because of that, I was saved. But it's none of those things. It's not walking an aisle. It's not baptism that saves us. It is faith in the person of Jesus Christ because of what he has done. He's giving you life as a gift. Many people want a part in God's saving plan. They cannot accept that it is by grace through faith. But that's what it is. That's what the Bible tells it, it is tells us it is. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we see it in John 3, 16, John 6, 47, John 5, 24. I mean, all throughout the Bible, we see that it's faith that brings life, eternal life. So what did you and I do? Absolutely nothing. God, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, accomplished everything that needed to be done. God was satisfied with the payment that Jesus made. So we, by faith in Jesus Christ, go from death to life, from children of wrath to being children of God. So that's good news. But what are we to do? 
Did God save us for no purpose, for no reason at all? Did he save us so that we could live the Christian life and then one day just go and be with him? No, he saved us for a purpose. And that's what verse 10 goes on and talks about. But as I said earlier, notice that it is by grace that you were saved through faith. But now he says, for we, plural, are his workmanship. We, the body of Christ, You know, we don't have to go out there and try to save the world by ourselves. We've got the body of Christ. He placed us in the body of Christ with different gifts, talents, and abilities so that we corporately can go out and fulfill the purpose that God has for us. But the purpose that God has for us corporately is the same thing as he has for us individually. But we've got other brothers and sisters around us to help us fulfill his purpose. It says in verse 10 again, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. As I said earlier, that word workmanship means his masterpiece. We were created in Christ Jesus. And this is the third reference to that we are in Christ in just these few verses that we've looked at this morning. He saved us by grace through faith. It costs us absolutely nothing. So the question is, so if I do no good works, will I still have eternal life? And the answer to that is yes, because you got eternal life, life that lasts forever at the moment you believe. But should we do good works? Absolutely yes. That's why God saved us. That's why he placed us in the body of Christ. That's why he gave us gifts, talents, and abilities. So why? Because we, the church, are to do the good works. This is a key application that we can take from this passage. Do good works because that's why God created us. That's why God saved us, because he loves us and he showed us his mercy and grace. And so we should desire, we should want to use the gifts, talents, and abilities. We should want to fulfill the good works that God has for us to do. So what are some of the good works that we are doing as a body of believers here at Stillwater Bible Church? I mean, we've got Hallie's Coats going on where kids are going to feel the warmth and the love of Jesus Christ whenever they put those coats on. We're getting ready to send these shoe boxes all over the world and inside, wrapped inside of those boxes is going to be the gospel message, the message of Jesus Christ, that he loves them, that he wants a relationship with them, and that by believing in him, they can receive the greatest gift of all. That box is nothing in comparison to the greatest gift of all, eternal life with Jesus Christ. What are we doing here as a church? We teach the Bible. We love people week in and week out inside of the four walls of this church. And it's up to all of us to go spread that word that we know and that love to, out, to others outside of these walls so that unbelievers can hear a grace message of salvation as we saw in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and that believers can be trained and equipped in God's word. You see, that's our purpose, to make disciples, which convict consists of evangelism and training. So we need to be doing our part as a church body, but we also need to be doing that individually in our lives. We need to be going out and making disciples. So what have we seen today? 
we saw, we started off by looking at what we were like and we saw that we were dead, we were separated, we were walking according to the world, the flesh and the devil. Then we saw what made the difference. It was God's mercy, God's love and God's grace. What are some of the differences? We went from being dead to now we are alive. We went from being children of wrath to now we are children of God. We went from being separated from God and we were destined to be that way for all eternity to now not only are we with God, but we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We are seated in Christ. What did you or I do in order to get this? We did nothing. Christ already accomplished everything through his death and resurrection. God was satisfied in the payment that Christ made. So you or I, we were saved by grace through faith. But what are we to do? We are to do the good works which God has called us to do. What God has planned beforehand for us to do. So let me leave you with this. The good works of the church and us as individuals should be the same. And that is making disciples. It starts with the good news message. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Who can you share the gospel with this week? Who is it that, that God has been putting on your heart or on your mind that you, that you think or that you know needs to hear this good news message? Who is it? Let's go to them. Let's take the good news message to them. I love what Romans 10 says. It says, how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? How are they going to believe if they don't hear? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. It's up to us to be those beautiful feet that bring the message of Jesus Christ to those who need it the most. That message that it is by grace that you're saved through faith. It's that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So what is it that we need to do? We need to go do the works. We need to make disciples. What are you waiting for? Who is waiting to hear from you? We need to be answering those questions this week. We need to be looking for opportunities, praying for opportunities, and God will bring them to us, and we will do the works that he has prepared for us to do.